0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles and would you turn with me back to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. This week I have struggled a bit with what to preach this morning. And the Lord has impressed on my heart the need again to go back to last week's theme. Talking about the new song and music that is appropriate for worship to our God. My burden stems from a couple of things First, that it's easy for God's people to get accustomed to things. And we do what we do week after week, and truth, listen carefully, can easily become tradition. We don't want to be traditional. We need to do things according to the word of God. At the same time, when we talk about music, and last week I mentioned Dr. Frank Garlock who's with the Lord, his presentations on music were all, always clear and were always simple from the scripture. I want to make sure that as we share biblical truth that you don't think this is some complicated theological thing that only preachers can get. I don't want it to go over your head. God doesn't want it to go over your head. And it is so simple, it should just stick in your head. Okay? And that is the goal. When it comes to music, Christian music, the new song, we shouldn't just plead ignorance. We certainly shouldn't say, well, it's just a matter of preference. It is not. Now, you may like music that is different from the music that I like, okay, Uh, but we have to agree that when we get saved, God changes everything. Therefore, if any man or woman, young person, be in Christ, they are a new creation, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become what? How many things become new? God says all. All right, Does that include our music? Sure does. And that's why in Psalm 40 again, we see in verse two, He, the Lord, brought me up also out of an horrible pit, a pit of noise out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. By the way, who's the rock? It's Christ. He's Christ. And establish my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Now stop. Mouth, in our King James Bible, even is italicized. It was put in there for clarity, but read it without that. He hath put a new song in my mouth, praise unto our God. That's the new song. Many shall not hear it. Certainly they'll hear it. They'll see it. The Holy Spirit wants us to note that that's what makes the difference. They'll see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, that can include folks who don't know our Lord. They'll see it, fear, trust in the Lord. But it also is referencing those who already know the Lord. They'll see the the new song. They'll be reminded of the new song. They'll fear and trust in the Lord. Now we know from scripture that the fear of the Lord. It's talking about fearing the Lord. That means to (coughs) reverence him. Not fear with dread... Okay. No, it means to reverence him, to love him so much and to that you fear to do anything that would offend him. And so instead of doing something that offends him, you continue to trust him. And our music, the new song, is intended to do that. In fact, I wonder this morning if someone uh, maybe came into this service and they're discouraged and, and they're fearful about what the future holds and, and, and there are things that are weighing heavy on their hearts, well, even this morning, the music, by the grace of God, I hope it propelled your heart to the Lord. You can just trust him. It's okay. And so it's a new song. We noted last time that it's new in quality and character. It's not like the old song. God, who created all things and created music, did not create music to be something to feed the passions of our sinful flesh. He didn't create it for that. Is it being used for that? Well, absolutely. All right, but he didn't create it for that. He created it for His glory. And so when we are born again, when we become new creatures in Christ, there is restoration that takes place, regeneration, new life, but restoration in that what he does in our life allows us to go back to normal. What do you mean? Well, Eden was normal before they ate of the the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything up to that point was normal. Everything after that point has not been normal. But when the Lord saves us, he gives us a new nature. He puts to death the old nature. He gives us a new song. And now we go back to normal. Now you can fellowship with God. Not just when he would come into a garden. You can fellowship with him all the time now. As long as your heart stays clean as you walk with him. And so that reminds us, and go to Ephesians 5. That reminds us of what the New Testament helps us understand about this new song. Remember there are two passages here that the Lord uses Paul to teach us about the new song. Ephesians 5, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Okay? Wine, strong drink, can get a death grip on somebody, and what's the result? Out of control. Loss of control. Don't put anything in your body that could lead you To lose control, but instead be filled or controlled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. All right, now what happens when He is in control? Well, He energizes the new song. How do we know that? Look at the next verse. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's the audience of our music, and when he is in control, he energizes, he enables the new song so that we can sing praise from our hearts to God. What a privilege, what a blessing that is. Now when you look at Psalms, of course that's the Psalter, those are the Psalms. In fact, we looked at one again this morning, Psalm 40, Israel's songbook. Hymns, these are anthems, these are songs that directly address God in worship. And then spiritual songs, maybe this word will help you, these are testimonials. This is what God has done for me, and I know this because what he has said to me in his word about what he does for me. Now that detail is not given to us here, but if you go over to Colossians chapter 3, it is given there. What makes up these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace. Again, reminding us what Ephesians 5 told us. You need spiritual enablement. Grace, singing with grace in your hearts. And again, who's the audience? To the Lord. To the Lord. I don't mind if somebody comes into Good News Baptist Church and says, Well, you know, the music doesn't appeal to me. That's fine, because you're not the audience. You get to listen in, but our worship is to the Lord. What matters is not what you think. What matters is what does he think about the music and it has to be what he has prescribed in his word. So the word of Christ dwelling richly, the word, what he says here needs to be in complete control of our lives, every part of our life. The word of Christ needs to be in us and it needs to be in control of us. So those are the truths that we looked at last time. But now I want us to talk about music in worship. And this is really where we left our thoughts last week. And I want to come back to, to this matter. Music in worship. How does this whole discussion about music affect Worship. Many churches today that hold to some biblical doctrine, again, have gravitated to musical expressions that come from a very different theological background. Sometimes, no theological background. Somebody, some preacher, read a church growth book, and so and so has a nice band, and that seems to be bringing in people, and so let's get a nice band. Well, what what does the scripture say? And so they'll look to adopt music created for different purposes. And they want it to work for the worship of God. And I want to reiterate what we saw last time. If you'll go over one book, or a couple books, go back to Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians. Paul's letter before the letter to the Ephesians. And I want to emphasize this again, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. I'm going to read through this, and I'm going to ask this question, and I want this to be in the back of your mind. Remember the connection between the Holy Spirit and the new song. Now, if the Holy Spirit is in control, he is going to give us music that encourages what pleases him. Hence, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. It's not going to be music that ramps you up to be crazy. It's going to be music that settles you to obey God. But the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And is there any music today that they're doing that promotes and, in fact, causes people to think this way and behave this way? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders. Is there any music that talks about killing people? Uh, It's all of the above, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in past time, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And by the way, for the child of God, we don't want to do anything, see anything, hear anything, that would push us back to obeying this broken, sinful flesh. And so scripture shows us that music does communicate, all right? It communicates either to our flesh, it lusteth, it desires to possess, all right? It wants to cause us to do what is sinful. And the Holy Spirit is trying to deliver us from that. He's already done that at salvation, but we have to continue to yield to him. And so these are in conflict with One with the other. Now if they're in conflict, you can't take music that is telling you to obey the flesh and add words that are telling you to worship God. By the way, the world gets this. And I gave gave a couple quotes last time. The world gets this. They're not debating that music communicates. They know that music itself communicates and then they put it with words that reinforce what the music's communicating and vice versa. The only ones debating this are Christians who don't want to listen to what the Bible says and want to listen to what they want to. They're the only ones. And by the way, I have done the research that those in the world who hear how Christians are debating this, they laugh. What do you mean the music's neutral? We attach it to everything. If <laughs> we, we want to sell a car, we're gonna find music to make you want to buy a car. We can go on and on. Okay? That that action movie. How, how do they make those scenes intense? Music. Well, oh, music doesn't communicate. Where'd you get that? You're denying the truth. And so here's the question. Should we take styles of music produced by the flesh to feed sinful flesh and its passions? Like rock music, jazz, the blues, rap. Though That's hardly music. It's rebels attempting poetry. Okay, that's what rap is. But if you go and study the history of those those sounds and where it came from, it wasn't Christians asking God for revival. It was sinners who wanted to please their flesh and so developed music styles that are going to be popular with the world and cause them to turn from God. Study the history for yourself. Should we take that and then bring it into the church for worship? If what the Holy Spirit produces and what the flesh produces are in conflict with each other and are determined to destroy each other, that's what Galatians is teaching us, will the Spirit accept that worship or does it grieve Him? I think it grieves Him. In fact, I'm convinced of it. Do you remember there was a day when people got right with the Lord, revivals and other things, and they would bring bags of stuff and give it to the preacher and say, would you dispose of this? In fact, there were churches that would have bonfires out back, and they'd just toss all that stuff in there and and send it where it needed to go. When's the last time you heard that happen? It doesn't. Why? Because we have convinced ourselves as the church of Jesus Christ that not all of that is so bad. I don't know how many testimonies I could share with you this morning about people that I've led to the Lord or people that have gotten right with God. And they have made statements like, I can't listen to that anymore. I remember a young man who got saved in our youth ministry. Got away from the Lord, and I remember when he got right with the Lord. Uh, for a time, he was actually living with Renee and I uh, in our home, living in the basement. He had gotten right with God. He was, he was going to a secular college right in the town where I pastored, and the, the deal was he needed to get out of the dorms. So he moved in with us, and I remember he just kept giving his heart to the Lord. Change uh, was wonderful, change was happening. And one day he came to me with a bag full of stuff, and he says, I got to get this out of my life. Do you know what's in the bag? A whole lot of music. Because it was motivating him to, to serve his flesh instead of the God who had saved him. And so we had prayer together, and I disposed of that. I felt bad for the garbage can when I dropped it in there, but it was gone. But today what happens is a person comes to Christ. They'll hear the gospel. They'll come to Christ. Guys, let me just ask, is this on? All right. They'll come to Christ the Holy Spirit will begin to convict them about some things, including music. But then they'll walk into the average church today and they'll hear the music that God has convicted them about and they'll say, well, I guess this is what Christians listen to. And I believe that that hurts their spiritual growth. It hurts their spiritual growth if old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. And so the new song, new in every way, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. I shared with the pastoral staff a while back a clip from a well-known preacher who was invited to speak at one of these seeker-friendly churches. Now, the fact that he went there I think does reflect on his ministry, but he is a a solid preacher. But what he witnessed grieved him, and he came back to his church and talked about it. He said the worship leader got up and said this, How do you feel this morning? The preacher thought, What kind of a New Testament question is that? That is the wrong question. I feel sleep-deprived, Someone took my parking spot. I kicked the dog this morning, and I don't even own a dog. And you're asking me how I feel? Ask me what I know about God and His Word. Ask me about the truth that can deal with my soul. Don't make me sing songs about how I feel. The silly, repetitive songs do nothing for my soul. Then he went on, he said, and then they sang, I just want to praise you. I lift my hands and say I love you. You are everything to me. And he was supposed to preach after this. He goes on, the truth of Scripture is needed to fuel my heart and emotions to praise God according to the character of his name. We need to sing instead, praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who is like thee his praise should bring? Think about that. My flesh doesn't like Monday morning. My flesh doesn't like Sunday morning. so what does what needs to happen so that i overcome this flesh don't ask me how i feel help my mind be renewed by turning to the word of christ ransomed healed restored forgiven god's mercy Yeah, I needed that today. I'm playing my horn, and I'm thinking, God, you you are so good. You're merciful. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Because my flesh is saying, you dirty, rotten rat, what are you sitting in church for? (laughs) I needed to hear from God. Now, I believe if we move away from the new song, it will even change our doctrine. That's why we're committed here to music that honors Christ. If you listen to something once or twice, there will not be a sudden change in your doctrine. However, over time, your doctrine will change. It can't help but change. If a person says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, and he says it with a musical style that was created to worship self, and there are a bunch of styles out there that are very popular that were created to worship self, then that person's thinking, even a Christian, about the holiness of God, it's not being consistent with what the Bible represents God to be, what the scripture is saying. This is why the decisions churches or believers make about music is vitally important. We are either reinforcing our beliefs through musical sounds or we are undermining those beliefs. Now, the problem being described isn't just what's happening in the United States. It's happened, it happens all over the world. Remember that in every culture, and, and, and church family, can I help you with something? Would you stop referring to races? There is one race, the human race we just have different colors of skin but there are different cultures and the lord has called us to go into the world with the gospel to help change those cultures for christ but here's what you need to understand in every culture there is cultural music in this country we have bluegrass and appalachian you know stuff it, not my favorite Okay, but it, hillbillies can do music too. Okay, they, they can. All right. God bless you folk from West Virginia. Okay, I, all right. But in every culture, there is the new song and there is a pagan song. I've been to places like India twice, Argentina, Kenya there's always that flavor of their culture, who they are, and that's okay. But in every instance, their music is the new song, and it's not like what the pagans are doing. We have to understand that. I had a missionary, Doug Backerick, in our church in Pennsylvania, and he was speaking on this subject of music. And afterwards, one of the ladies In our church from Samoa, a dear friend of Renee and mine came to him with this story. She said, This I went back to Samoa after my dad died. I noticed the music had changed in the church where my parents and grandparents had been saved. The church had been started many years ago through solid, godly preaching. Sadly, it no longer preached the gospel. I asked the preacher who was doing my father's funeral if he was going to preach the gospel. And he said, quote, well, I will only do it if you really want me to, end quote. Later, I heard them worshiping. But the music of their worship was the same as the music used down the street by people worshiping themselves at a bar. The music unsaved people were using to worship themselves was the same music now the church people were using ostensibly to worship Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the Christ who was being worshipped was not the Christ of the Bible. And I I appreciated this dear Samoan woman and her understanding. She she knew the Lord. She'd come from a family. She was third generation. People that had, had been saved and grounded in the word but she saw the change. Music does not always cause a doctrinal shift, but music can support it. The example I just gave is evidence of that. Let me just close with two quick examples, and then we want to be done on time today. Exodus 32 is the account Of Israel worshiping the golden calf. Remember Moses went up into the mountain. To receive the law. He receives the law from God. And God says to him. Get back down to the camp. Because the people are sinning against me. So he comes down the mountain. Grabs Joshua who was up there. Part way waiting for him. They come down. And again I wish we had time. To examine this text in detail. But you'll. You'll. Remember that Joshua comes down and Joshua says, I hear the sound of war. Now you already know the text. Was there a war? Well, Careful. There was spiritual warfare taking place down there. But it wasn't physical warfare. The people said, we don't know what's become of this Moses. Aaron, make us a god. And so you'll remember that Aaron got all of their gold and he fashioned a golden calf to resemble what the Egyptians had been worshiping. By the way, there were Egyptians in that mixed multitude. Moses comes down, Joshua says, I hear the sound of war. (laughs) Moses says, no, that's not the sound of war. That's the sound of singing. Is it possible to have music that sounds like warfare? Absolutely. Okay, let's go back to that stoplight I mentioned last week. I've been sitting in my car and I've been wondering about the warfare. My car's shaking, his car's shaking. Okay, wow. But what was the sound supporting when Moses and Joshua got at the foot of that mountain? They're worshiping a golden calf, and they are involved in every imaginable wickedness you can think of. They were having a party. The music supported, listen, the party. If you go to the text, and again, we don't have time this morning, but what were they calling that golden calf? They were calling that golden calf Jehovah that led us out of Egypt. Are you kidding? So the music was probably blotting out the conscience, deafening the conscience from being able to to think, let alone hear, and they were involved in this wickedness. Well, God judged the people. Let me share with you another text, and you can write this one down. Does worship really matter to the Lord? Are we to do things his way? If you'll write down these texts, write down 1 Samuel 6 and then write down 2 Samuel 6. I love the way that that happens in our Old Testament. 1 Samuel 6, you'll remember the Philistines have captured the ark of God and that didn't go so well. Every city they move it to, God judges the people that are there. And so the Philistines, now watch this, the Philistines who don't know about worship to God pick up the ark. Nothing happens. Why? God hadn't instructed the Philistines what to do with that ark. They put it on a new cart, they put oxen in front of it, and God directs those oxen back into Israel with his ark, with the ark of God. When it gets in Israel... Now, things change. The Israelites, a bunch of them look into the ark, and God smites them dead. And so, they put the ark at a residence, and and you can read the name of the family that that kept the ark. Then, fast forward to 2 Samuel 6, now King David is going to move the ark into Jerusalem. But he's going to worship in a way that is contrary to what God has prescribed. Well, there's, Pastor, you only shared a few verses on music today. I'm not convinced. Stop. If there's one verse, be convinced. There was just a little bit of instruction back in Moses' law that said, Don't you dare touch the ark. But David, he's going to bring the ark into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that the people are rejoicing. And David is out front and he is worshiping the Lord and music is playing. Now in this instance, the music was honoring to God. In fact, later it will be the same music again that they use when David does eventually bring the ark into Jerusalem. Here's the point. They've got the ark back on a cart. The oxen stumble, the cart shifts, and a guy named Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark of God, and the Lord kills him right on the spot. Why? You don't get to worship God the way you want to worship God. You need to do it according to his prescription and his holy character, including the music. Details matter. Matter. So David is grieved. Lord, how how did you cause this breach on us? Don't you know we were trying to worship you? We were trying to do the right thing. Stop, David. What have I said? And so another family keeps the ark. God blesses that family. And the next time then David sends the priests, the Levites, they do it the right way, put the shafts into each side of that thing. And men who are consecrated... Uh, The priests carry that thing into Jerusalem. There is no problem. Why? Because we are doing worship God's way. It does matter. And so let's close. We've been reminded of the truths of the new song. It's from the Holy Spirit. To remind you and I of his word and to bring peace to our hearts. The Lord saved us out of a pit of noise. Psalm 40. For you to have peace, you shouldn't return back to the world's noise. In fact, he is our song in the night. His truth will give us peace when we need it the most. And that song will also cause spiritual enrichment to others through the word who hear our new song. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, learn to treasure the new song and don't let any other song dampen it. Don't let any other song dampen it. Can I just share a personal testimony? Your preacher struggles with temptation too. You know, one of the ways I know I'm saved, besides the wonderful promises in this book, over and over, Pastor Coles, I feel tempted, and I can't get the new song out of my head. Then I start listening to the new song and the words of that song, and it is a song that the Holy Spirit gave me to directly address what I'm struggling with. Just listen when you get up in the morning, Christian. Just listen. I can't tell you how many times, not every morning, how many times I've woken up in the morning, got a full day ahead of me, and there's a song in my heart. Why? Because I've been singing all night? No. Renee's been singing all night? No. Because the Holy Spirit is preparing me to worship Him in the new day. He's motivating me. Get alone with me. Spend time in fellowship with me. Thank God for the new song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for teaching us this morning. This is not anything legalistic, it's just the simple truth of Scripture. It's spiritual reality that happens when we give our hearts to Jesus. Now, Lord, would you help us to take a good, hard look at what we listen to? Lord, sometimes we can't help it because we're in a store and the stuff is blaring. But, Lord, we can control our quiet time. And thank you that being still and knowing God involves that new song. So help us to cherish it. Lord, would you use it in our hearts to cause us to worship you and to be drawn to you and to please you in obedience. But Lord, for each of us, help the old things to pass away. And thank you that in eternity, that new song will be what we sing with saints and angels around the throne of our great God. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3, 2, 4, 1. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.